the governor of Washington State, Jay Inslee, planning to spend $1.1 billion for orca recovery. Farmers also want to see orcas and the salmon that feed them recovered, improving, healthy. But there's concern that this orca recovery plan to the tune of $1.1 billion is seriously off target especially when you look at the science. Welcome back. This is The Farming Show on your Saturday morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop, your host. Farmers Equipment Company, Laurel Farm and Western Supply, and McAvoy Oil are faithful sponsors here on the program. So a big, huge thank you to them for giving us the chance to talk about farming stuff, issues that are important to farming in Wycombe and Skagit counties and around uh, Washington State as well. Of course, uh, I'm uh, now a full-time farming advocate, uh, recovering a radio talk show host with still this little habit on Saturday morning, so I'm glad to be here. Uh, joining us also is Executive Director of Save Family Farming, the organization that I work for, Gerald Barron. Yes, he's my boss, and he's on with us this morning. Gerald, why are we talking about orca uh, why are we talking about salmon, and why are we saying that this $1.1 billion that our governor is proposing is is seriously off target? What's, what's going on here with this issue? Uh, great. Thanks, uh, Dylan. Thanks for having me on here. And I got that question yesterday from a, from a reporter saying, well, why are farmers speaking out on the issue of orca recovery and Chinook recovery, and why are we taking the position that we do? And the main reason that we're speaking out is because farmers are deeply invested in the issue of orca recovery, particularly salmon recovery, and obviously those two are closely linked. Uh, farmers for many years have been investing, have been supporting, have been volunteering, have, have uh, contributed an awful lot, working with a number of different agencies to improve habitat, help bring, uh, you know, help, help our, the habitat and our streams and water, and so be more productive for fish production. So farmers are deeply interested in it. They also see it a part of their future because um, there are people who continue to call for um, more farmland to be converted into fish habitat. And uh, what. so it led us to really take a look, a deeper look into the science, what scientists are saying about orca recovery and uh, all these, uh, and to really evaluate the plans that are being put forward uh, to recover the orcas and the Chinook. And what we found is that most of this is misguided. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, it seems to us to be more politically driven than it is uh, about the science. And we've really identified um, for what we call four inconvenient facts um, that, that are really a, a summary of why the current, uh, so much of the current plans and proposals and the $1.1 billion that Governor Inslee is proposing are really misdirected and will not produce the results that, um, that some are led to believe. And in, I can go in, through those. In, in, inconvenient facts. I like the little hat tip to uh, Al Gore there. Uh, <laughs> show, but it, okay, what what are four things? And obviously, the, all of this stuff is very complex. But to boil it down to four concerns, basically four inconvenient facts, as we're calling them. Again, saying or showing that the, the current plans that the governor has that uh, some other leaders uh, here in our state have won't help save the orcas or Chinook. But there right. are valuable things that we can do. So what are these four yeah. things? The, the first thing is um, people really understand it to be a crisis. And in many ways, it is a crisis. But it's not the crisis that most people think that it is. 
the pictures of the uh, uh, mother orca carrying her dead calf um, around for 17 days. You know, that went around the world and really galvanized people. And uh, all the media reports and so have really talked about this being a crisis, but it's not the crisis that most people think. The second inconvenient fact is that um, all the focus on uh, changing this is on we need to we need to generate more Chinook. Well, the fact is that we have generated, we have produced nearly double the number of Chinook over the past 40 years. But still, the level, the number of adult Chinook salmon continues to decline. So for those who think that the answer is in producing more Chinook, they're ignoring the reasons why the Chinook salmon that we are producing are continuing to decline. It, it sounds like you're contradicting yourself there even in saying that, and that's where I think we need to dig a little further under the surface. You're saying we're producing more Chinook, but there are fewer Chinook. But the, the, yes. infer- the difference is right. which Chinook, we're, Chinook well, salmon, of course, king salmon that we're talking about here. Just because we produce more babies doesn't mean we have more adults. Mm. And what happens, why we don't have more adults, is the real question. Um, before we get to that, though, Dylan, let's uh, just go through the rest of yeah. the inconvenient facts. The third one is that a part of Governor Inslee's plan is to spend some money on studying dam removal. Well, taking a closer look at dam removal makes you realize there would be a lot of harm in that, but there would be absolutely no good done in terms of saving the orca or or uh, Chinook salmon. And so that's an important thing to look at. And the last inconvenient fact shows that this, as you mentioned, it's a very complex situation. There are no certain answers. Most of the things that are affecting um, the current situation, we have very little to no control over, but there are some things that we do have control over. And, and instead of trying to um, you know, generate proposals that have little bearing to reality or address things that we really can't control, what we're saying is that let's focus on what we can do and work together to, to really make a difference. Well, and as Todd Myers, uh, the director of Washington Policy Center's uh, Center for the Environment, said here on this program just a few weeks ago, um, let's let's do the things that give us results right away, immediately. You know, if this is indeed a crisis with the orca and, and people are seeing that it is, we need to do, you know, things that will have immediate benefit, not do things that, you know, and we can, we can talk about and we can look at other things into the future, but really we should be prioritizing stuff with the most immediate impact. Again, talking with Gerald Barron here, he's executive director of Save Family Farming, talking about why are farmers talking about saving salmon, and and this is pretty important uh, to the future of, of farming here in Washington State, and by the way, this is the farming show here on KGMI. So let's go back to the beginning of the list and start digging through this because I do eventually want to get to all four of these things, including what are some of the things that can be done? What are we suggesting? But first, you say the crisis is very likely a crisis, yes, for the orca and for salmon, but it's not what people think it is. What do you mean by that? Well, we've um, we've been paying a lot of attention to information being put out by Dr. Andrew Trites of the University of British Columbia. He's one of the recognized uh, real experts on this. And what he points out is that most people think that uh, these orcas, the southern resident orcas, um, are uh, critically endangered and they're, we're, we're losing them rapidly. What he shows is that the numbers have actually increased over the past 45 years. There have been four periods in those 45 years of decline. However, the highest number of these southern residents that we've had are 96, the lowest number being 66, and right now we're at 74. 
So there have been, while there have been these periods of decline, they were followed by periods of increasing mm-hmm. numbers. Um, and that may happen. Uh, that's why it's not the crisis that people think, because when you're looking at, when most people tend to think that, oh my goodness, we're, we're down to just about nothing out of a huge population. Right. Uh, that's not, that's not true. It's never been a huge population and overall the population has been increasing. But Dr. Trites, by that, by saying that, he does not say that these orcas are in good shape or that there isn't a real problem. So there is a crisis. There is a problem with them. They are threatened. But they're threatened more by factors that we have don't really have any control over. The primary one being the fact, for some reason, um, almost all the calves being born are male. Well, it doesn't take too long to figure out if only you have male calves, pretty soon the population is going to uh, uh, diminish pretty quickly. Um, uh, there's it, it, no, it, it, no, no apparent reason nobody, for that. Nobody knows that better than a, than a dairy farmer. That's correct. Uh, all, all bulls will not get you the population yeah, that you need. So, yeah. so that's one, one of the factors we have a little, little control over, and that may be because we have some genetic diversity problems within that population. But another factor uh, that is um, important in that is that, uh, you know, what's happening to the feed, and that goes to the second of, um, inconvenient fact, which is the feed, mainly the Chinook, adult Chinook salmon that this um, population depends on, has been declining. Now, what's interesting is that the northern residents, uh, in other words, the northern pods of killer whales just to the north of these are doing very well, as are the Alaska pod. Those populations have been growing, and the transient whales have been growing. So why are the southern residents so in, 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 in difficult condition compared to these others. Right. Well, run, one of the reasons it's unlike the others, the southern residents seem to only want to eat adult Chinook, and those are getting in shorter and shorter supply. And, of course, that's, because, that's why uh, there's been so much of the effort of the governor's task force on, well, we need to produce more Chinook. Well, but we, are, we have been producing more, nearly double the number in the past 40 years to 406 million smolts produced in 2015. But the numbers of adult Chinook continue to decline. They're, the scientists are in agreement, basically, as to the reasons for that. One of them is called the blob. These are these large areas in the North Pacific Ocean of ocean warming that affects the food available to these Chinook. The other reason is the explosion of uh, marine mammal predators, particularly harbor seals and sea lions. But also they're finding more things like birds are also affecting predation. And when I say explosion, I mean in 1975, there were 8,600 harbor seals in the Salish Sea. Now that's the area around San Juan Islands up into uh, Canada a little bit and uh, uh, including Puget Sound. So in that area alone, there were 8,600 uh, harbor seals in 1975. However, by 2015, there were 88,000, so nearly a 1,000% increase in that amount of time. And one of the reasons for that is, well, certainly we had the Marine Mammal Protection Act in 1972 that protected them from the um, uh, harvesting that uh, tribes in particular were doing at that time. Um, but um, the uh, so we have that expo- explosion number we because we don't have these southern residents eating the harbor seals like we have the transient whales. They are red meat eaters mm. and basically only feed on harbor seals and sea lions. So our our problems would be a- aided a lot if we had more transients coming into this area that would help take care of some of these this predation and then uh, protect some of the Chinook uh, because. 
one of the problems with the uh, predation of the um, from the harbor seals is that they target the smolts. They eat the babies. Uh, one study uh, which came out in 2017 showed that they eat about 23 million small mm-hmm. salmon. Now, these are salmon that uh, obviously have no chance to grow up to become the adults that uh, feed the orcas as well as provide the fisheries that uh, that so many of us look forward well, to. Well, and, and that is, the again, the key to this that I think people keep forgetting. They're saying, well, salmon numbers keep declining. And, and how does that jive with what you're saying, Gerald, that we're producing more salmon than ever? Babies versus adults. That's the key difference. We're producing more baby salmon than ever, which, as you're explaining here, are perfect food for these harbor seals. And so they're being eaten, and, and, and very few of them are returning. So, again, we're seeing the salmon numbers decline on the adult side, not on the production or the baby side. You know, And whether that's wild or hatchery, um, either way, there's a food shortage now, and, and that's one of the things that they're saying about the orcas, right? They're not getting enough yeah. food or not the right kind of food. Uh, they're malnourished. And so this is, this is a big part of this problem here. Yeah, but I mean, it's important to understand that both hatchery and wild production of Chinook has increased um, in that 40-year period. And, uh, but, and it's also important to understand that we're not saying that predation is the only issue. One of the things that we've learned is that this uh, ocean warming, uh, probably related to climate change, is um, also affecting the ability of these Chinook to, to survive when they're out in the open ocean. Once they've gotten past the, uh, the harbor seal problem, now they have a problem with finding enough feed in the open ocean because of the uh, warming conditions. So, but the, the issue of production is extremely important, including the, the fact that we've been increasing significantly, significantly more numbers of wild Chinook salmon because of the em- emphasis on habitat. That's why what we say is that if you're looking at habitat as the solution to this with the idea that habitat will help us produce more salmon, you're barking up the wrong tree because if we produce more salmon, um, you know, the, the ways of nature will show we're going to get more harbor seals. And mm-hmm. that means that there's going to be less salmon for the, uh, for the Chinook. So unless we address the issue of predation, um, solving the problem by producing more is, is not going to help at all. I think a lot of people don't know that this is going I mean don't you get that sense Gerald that a lot of people have no idea that we're producing more baby salmon than we have in a long long time again yes. the, the only thing that we hear about is the declining number of adults and in some ways yes that's that's the you know the proof is in the pudding that's the end result that's that's kind of the important part but there, I think there's the assumption that that just means we have fewer babies, fewer adults, fewer salmon altogether, and and this this part of the story is not being told. Yeah, and and there's a good reason for that is because this is running against the environmental orthodoxy that's out there, and this and I blame the media for this a lot because even Seattle Times running stories about it, they have this information, but they continue to uh, insist that um, you know the standard old solutions, including dam removal. And taking more farmland for habitat are the answers. It is simply not supported by science. And that's why, you know, if, if the facts were getting out there, we wouldn't be doing this. But we believe that um, people are making decisions based upon, uh, you know, political considerations. The, the reality is there are, I, I have no idea how many, but I would guess tens of thousands of people in Washington state whose, um, whose livelihood is based upon the belief that habitat is the problem 
facing our Chinook salmon and orcas. So these people are deeply invested in 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 the same story that's been going but out, and they're not looking at what the facts are. Are you saying habitat isn't important? No, I'm saying habitat is very important. And again, farmers have contributed probably more than anyone to improving habitat, to uh, cleaning streams, providing riparian zones, even augmenting stream flows. So it is very important. Um, and we need to keep working at more habitat. But if we think by producing more habitat that we're going to um, solve this problem, we're wrong. Because as the science shows, we're going to produce more um, Chinook smolts, and that will result in more harbor seals, and that will be less um, uh, available for fishermen and for orcas because uh, it's it's being stopped right there. The way I'm visualizing it is is the predation issue. It's just one of many important issues in this whole equation. But right now, it's it's the bottleneck, and so you and, can and, uh, you can expand capacity or do other things anywhere else just to go to run with a bottleneck analogy. But it doesn't matter if that's your choke point. That's going to limit everything until that gets dealt with so yes right. I, I think i i'm following now what you're saying in that that habitat isn't necessarily unimportant at all it's just not the choke point at this point in time yeah absolutely right and if i uh, if if people understand me to be saying that um, farmers uh, are not in favor of more habitat it's absolutely wrong um and, but and and even if we talk about predation we need to keep in mind that we're not saying that predation is the only problem uh, and, and solving it will solve the problem because um, if we could snap our fingers and cool the North Pacific Ocean down <laughs> and, uh, and, and address some of, the, uh, some of those other issues, that would be terrific. But our point is there are certain things we can address and there are other things that we cannot. It makes more sense for us to uh, focus on those things that we can address and, uh, and really make a difference that way. And predation is one of them. Habitat um, will continue to be an issue, and we continue to support it and believe that it's important. But it's not going to solve the problem now just for the reasons we've talked about. Okay, Gerald Barron is with us. Uh, he is executive director of Save Family Farming um, and my boss as well, Dylan Honkoop, with you here on The Farming Show. Of course, I'm full-time farming advocate now with Save Family Farming. We're going to continue this conversation ahead because it, it if you notice, we only made it through two of the four inconvenient facts of science that we're talking about, about why farmers are are calling out uh, the plans for orca recovery, saying, hey, what's really going to work here? We actually want to uh, recover orcas and salmon. We want to do things that are going to have real results rather than playing the same old tired political games. Let's get real. Let's get serious. Let's do the things that actually work. That's what we're talking about here with Gerald. Stay with us. We've got more when we come back after the news. Why farmers are talking about fish and why farmers are talking about whales. Yeah, we're doing it right here on The Farming Show. Welcome back, Dylan Honkoop. Yeah. Here on The Farming Show, KGMI News Talk 790. exactly what farmers are doing right now because farmers have become more and more involved in the issue of recovering salmon and thereby orcas as we're learning more and more now with you know the images this summer of that that um, mother orca 
pushing her or carrying her her dead baby calf around. It just so many that that image captured the attention and the emotions and the heart of so many people here in Washington State and all over, really all over the country and, and around the globe, even people following what's going on with our southern resident killer whales here. One of the kind of symbols of the Pacific Northwest in some ways, that that uh, breaching orca whale, What's how do we save them? What do we do? Well, farmers have been more and more involved in being part of the solution. Um, and you say, well, with, with orcas, well, with salmon. And, and as we understand more and more, the, the problem with the orcas is the problem with salmon. We've been talking with Gerald uh, Barron, executive director of Save Family Farming, who is with us here on the program this morning. So, Gerald, farmers talking about this, we've been talking about the four inconvenient truths just to, to summarize, you're saying that the problem isn't necessarily what people think it is. Yes, there is a, a problem when the killer whale, the orca population here in the Salish Sea area and, and the southern residents, I guess, go from what? Central California all the way up to northern BC is kind of their, their general run. So there's a problem with the, their population. It's not necessarily the kind of problem that people think as far as there have been um, times like this before with, with their numbers and, and, and whales dying and then new whales being born and the population surging and shrinking. But there are very significant concerns that the, the scientists are pointing out. And secondly, you said uh, there's a, an issue with salmon, and this is where that connection happens between salmon and orcas. There's a problem with um, enough fish for the whales to eat, and we're finding out big part of the reason why is the choke point of other animals eating all of the baby salmon before they have the chance to mature and become adult salmon and food for the for the whales. They're being eaten by other predators out there, hence the term predation. Uh, harbor seals. What's l let's jump into our third inconvenient fact here that that you've been listing and talking about, and and this is the sticky, tricky, long time, difficult issue of the river, the the dams and the Snake River. What, what's going on there? The governor is talking about studying that. Yeah, the, uh, part of one point one billion dollar request of Governor Inslee is to spend $750,000 on studying the idea of removing the Snake River dams. And that appeals to a number of people in the Seattle area, but uh, it is a, uh, you know, it would be a an outrageous waste of money, to tell you the truth, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them is Washington State and Governor Inslee have nothing to say about the removal of those dams. That, that, uh, that decision cannot be made by anyone other than Congress. And uh, actually, there are uh, a number of federal agencies that already have a three-year environmental impact study underway uh, looking at the environmental impact of, of those dams. And so why do we need to spend $750,000 of our taxpayer money to do something that we have the federal government already doing? Well, I, I but, will ask you on that point, if, if Washington State makes a big fuss about it and does this study and adds more pressure and comes to the conclusion that these dams need to be removed by some study, wouldn't that add pressure for Congress to, to potentially make that move? Um, absolutely, it would add pressure. And so, yeah, you can look at that $750,000 as lobbying money. Yeah, but exactly. what, uh, but Congress is going to be, um, looking at more than just the issue of, of, of orcas and Chinook. And, and maybe before we talk about that, I want to make it clear. 
that NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, is very clear in the fact sheet that they put out in 2018 that even if they remove the dams, it will have virtually no impact on orcas or Chinook. And we can go into the, into the reasons for that. But Congress, if they look at this, they're going to look at more factors than... Um, than what some people believe about um, the fish. They're going to look, for example, that right now there's 4 million tons of cargo that go down that river system because of the dams through uh, barges. They, it would take 175,000 truck trailers to replace uh, that cargo that is now uh, uh, used, used as a river uh, on barges or 50,000 trains. Um, that's a real environmental impact. There's $1 billion worth of agricultural production that depends upon these dams for irrigation. Uh, we have flood control. We have power generation. These dams are here for a very good reason, which is why a number of federal agencies are working to protect their future. They're important, certainly, to the farmers and to the citizens in eastern Washington. And a lot of times the uh, urban residents in uh, places like Seattle and so don't really understand the facts and they don't understand uh, the impacts. So let's talk about the impact of this on Chinook. Well, if you look, and there's on, on our website, we put information from NOAA, but if you look at the charts, virtually all the fish that are produced above the rivers now are coming through the dams because of $16 billion paid by ratepayers since 1978 to improve fish, fish passage through the dams. So these fish are not being held up by the dams. People think that the dams are there and the fish can't get through. Not true. Thanks to this massive investment, uh, the fish are getting through. In fact, NOAA is saying there are now more fish coming down the rivers uh, to into, into Lake Puget Sound um, th through the dams than there were before the dams were even in place. Now think about that. That's what the science is saying. Wow. There's more fish coming through uh, the, the, the dams than prior to the dams even being there. Again, so another fact that nobody's talking about. Nobody knows that. And, and most people would assume that's not true because people, nobody, nobody tells that story. Well, and they, they can say, uh, they can dismiss us as because, you know, farmers have, a, have an interest in this. But uh, this information is from NOAA, the, uh, the fisheries expert, experts of the federal government. So if they want to argue about it, they need to argue <laughs> with NOAA, not, not with us. Well, and that was uh, a question I was going to ask, too. I mean, w with, with what you're saying first about the dams, all the other you know, economic reasons why they're there and, and flooding and all this other stuff, uh, power generation. Well, are, are you saying we're going to sacrifice the salmon um, to protect the economy and to you know do the, some of these other things to make sure that we still have uh, the the electricity that we're so used to having uh, for such a good rate and, and produced in such a green way here in the state? Well, well you're saying no, that's not the case at all. In right. fact, the, that's, the, the, that's the, exactly what how a lot of people would want to picture this as oh, it's a farm versus fish. Well, it's not farms versus fish, or it's you know shipment down the river versus fish. Um, that is a false, uh, you know, a false equation that they're putting out there because fish are not being harmed. Salmon are not being harmed. Orcas are not being harmed by those dams being there. And that's the information that NOAA is putting out. So um, it, 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 when people hear that, oh, you're just uh, trying to protect uh, farms uh, and, and, you know, put a higher priority on farms than fish. No, that is simply not the case. Uh, because the facts show the dams are not the issue. They're not stopping the fish from coming down the river. They're not affecting uh, the orca survival in any significant way. So uh, those people are pushing, and, and you know that's why 
Governor Inslee requesting $750,000 to study it uh, is, is a complete waste of money. Um, we know what the, the, the studies are already showing what the impacts will be and why try and duplicate in Washington state what a number of federal agencies are already doing. Uh, $750,000. That's just yeah, that's that's po- only, pocket change down in Olympia. That's only right? three quarters of a million. You know, to some, some of us, that's real money. <laughs> I think most of it is when we stop and really think about it. Okay, so the fourth inconvenient fact, in, in some ways this is kind of a disappointing one because from what I'm seeing here, and, and by the way, and you mentioned the website, and I, I've been remiss uh, this morning. Again, we're talking with Gerald Barron here, Executive Director of Save Family Farming. I have been remiss in not mentioning our website until this point, savefamilyfarming.org, and you can find a bunch of the, in fact, there's a, there's a link right on the home page uh, where you can uh, link directly to our fact sheet on all of this. Uh, it says, for inconvenient facts, Big orange button on the on the homepage at SaveFamilyFarming.org. Four inconvenient facts show the $1.1 billion plan to save orcas and Chinook is certain to fail. Okay, so so inconvenient fact number four is that there are no easy answers from, from what that's, I'm reading here. That's exactly right. Um, we, you know, people want to believe, and I think the governor is misleading people in, into thinking that, hey, well, there's something that we can really do here. Spend $1.1 billion and we'll save our 74 orcas. That's $15 million per orca, by the way. Um, but the fact 50, is... Okay, hold could, on a second. I, I think people need to think about that, too, because I, I've, I've been hit with that number a couple of times, and, and every time when I stop and think about it, $15 million per per orca of the southern resident killer whales, this plan would spend $15 million per whale. Couldn't we, it makes you start to think about, you know, plan B things where you just go out and, you know, you spend $15 million on each whale. Well, what what could you do directly for that? You know, you can build them their own feeding vessel to follow them around. Right. And, and, you know, maybe we could use some of that money for schools or for, um, you know, homeless or uh, other and other, uh, you know, environmental issues. There are lots of ways if um, we're intent on spending that kind of money. But that's not the point here. The point is we can spend that. And will 15, where $1.1 billion um, change the fact that we're almost all calves being born are males. Will $1.1 billion change climate change uh, and, and reduce ocean warming that's happening? Will $1.1 billion uh, take care of the predation issue? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that is something we can do. And that's the other inconvenient fact. There's an awful lot of things that we have very little to control over. But there is one thing that we can do that will have a virtually immediate impact, and that is to reduce the predation problem, particularly from harbor seals and sea lions, Harbor seals is by far the biggest problem in the Salish Sea, and 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 we can do something about it, and it would have a virtually immediate impact. Um, but um, the will to do that is what is really needed, and that's one of the things that we're saying. We're, farmers are serious about habitat, about improving this, but what we want to do is to see results. Farmers are very practical people. When when they're going to invest time and effort and money, they want to know that there's going to be a, a, a result there. And we know in the issue of predation that it is something that we can do something about. Now, when I say that, I should also recognize 
Um, we don't know exactly what the impacts would be. There may be some unintended consequences that we need to be aware of. Certainly passing the 1972 Marine Mammal Protection Act that has resulted in this explosion of yeah. harbor seals is one of those unintended consequences. So I'm not saying we should just, uh, you know, wildly go out there and start taking care of it. Well, I think, that, saying, you know, if we're talking about spending $750,000 on studying something, maybe it should be on this. <laughs> that would study that how would to a, do this in because we don't know yet. But if, if this is the choke point, let's study and figure it out. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely right. We know that spending seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on dam removal would be a complete waste of money. Spending this kind of money to really determine whether uh, taking care of the predation problem will actually help would make a whole lot more sense. So that's all really we're trying to do, Dylan, is to bring some uh, sense and co some common sense, which seems to be, uh, you know, lacking in a lot of these discussions. So uh, hopefully people will yeah. um, will will sit up and t uh, pay attention and that there will be a little bit more media coverage on on the facts um, relating to this. And, well, I'm, and I'm we'll starting to see more people talk about it. Uh, for instance, Northwest Indian Fisheries Commission recently tweeting a few different stories uh, seeming to suggest that uh, dealing with the predation problem, the harbor seal problem, is something we need to do and, and showing how they're taking steps like that, for instance, down in Oregon right now. Um, uh, Congress recently okaying a, a, a plan that would start working on a little bit of the predation issue. Granted, it's a whole lot bigger with the issue of harbor seals, but they are starting to work on the sea yep. lion issue. Um, right. that, that made it through Congress. So there is there, there are signs of, of change here in, in people's thinking on this. Right. And, and one of the things that's in our report is that um, the First Nations or the tribal people in, um, in Canada are appealing to their government to really step up the calling or the harvesting of harbor seals and sea lions. So I think some of the uh, our tribal officials are probably recognizing that this is an important part of it as well. And uh, and hope that not, and we really see an opportunity as farmers to work with environmental groups, with, to work with tribal groups, um, to work with everyone who's concerned about it, to really put the effort and emphasis. Uh, you know, on, on things that we can really do something about. If I understand it right, traditionally, historically, culturally, some uh, indigenous peoples groups did harvest these seals, right? Isn't that what they're talking about up in BC? Is they're saying historically our people, uh, our indigenous people groups have done that. That stopped, of course, many years ago. I think you mentioned that quite a bit earlier in our conversation here this hour on this issue. Um, could that be a, a part of the solution here that those groups, not that we're just, you know, sending the state out to wholesale <laughs> mow down poor animals, but to restore some balance back to how it was with the, the, the First Nations people? Yeah, I, I, but I don't think it was the coastal tribes or the Salish peoples that were really involved in harvesting them for, let's say, ceremonial purposes or even food purposes. That's more in, uh, you know, Alaska and some of those tribes up there that uh, I think continue to harvest mm -hmm. harbor seals or for, for food and ceremonial purposes. But it is absolutely true that um, tribes around here have, uh, you know, been involved in harvesting seals more for the protection you know, because of the competition, well, uh, for they, fisheries they and, understand and for the salmon. issue. 
You know, Absolutely, they do. Yes, the tribes right. here are are so invested in the, this issue of fish, uh, not only to protect the environment, but their way of life and their history and their their culture. They know what's going on, and they they know that this is a problem. And I think that's why they're they're starting to speak out on this as well. Again, Gerald Barron, executive director of Save Family Farming. This is becoming more and more important to farmers as well. Uh, farmers as partners in recovery and improving things for fish, and especially Chinook salmon. Um, endangered species here uh, in the Pacific Northwest. It's so important to us. And then ultimately, um, the orca, the, the killer whales that uh, eat those uh, Chinook salmon, they're now having trouble. It, it all starts to make sense when you look at these bigger pieces and you start to take a look, an honest look at these four inconvenient facts. Gerald, thanks for your time uh, to kind of lay this all out for us on the program this morning. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Dylan.